Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Thank you for the one person who responded. You're, you're really welcome. Now, I've just got a little bone to pick with Alan Ward, actually, because at the previous gathering, he very kindly carried this table out for me, but I had to carry it out, and I thought, I've started now, it's really heavy. So there you go. Folks, if you are here for if the first time, if you're checking us out, if you're watching us online, it is absolutely brilliant to have you with us. And we are ju- we're doing a, a month, folks, a month of vision. And um, what's happening today is I've got a PowerPoint, folks. And um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement. You should have seen it at the nine o'clock first gathering. Those guys were out of control when they realized there's a PowerPoint. They were very, very, very excited. Um, so essentially, what we're going to do now is, is this, uh, this is the third of four next week. We've got Gareth Ingle, who I believe is here somewhere. Uh, if you're watching online, he's up in the balcony. And he's speaking next week. And he's going to be talking about planting a church in Fervan. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So that's where we're going. He's going to be speaking, hopefully, with all three gatherings. Um, we need to confirm that later. But he's going to be, that's what he's going to do, folks. And we're gonna, we've, got, um, we've got a really sophisticated thing set up next week. Essentially, they're looking to recruit folks who might move to a ci- part of our city called Furvale. And so we're locking the doors. We've got mortgage advisors. Uh, we've got guys in who can sell your house like that. And uh, that's the plan. You think I'm kidding, right? This is... Guys, it's a new season. What are you expecting? Hey, I'm, 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 I'm just messing with you. And the reason we've got a PowerPoint, folks, is just to, to try and get through quite a lot of information. And then we're going to think about our old friend Gideon. And uh, if you're checking us out, for, we've been tracking through the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. And we're coming to the latter half, the end of Gideon's life. Because the first half is super exciting. And it's really encouraging. And the latter half isn't so good, but it would seem wrong just to reframe that and not go into some detail what happens to Gideon and what can we learn in this season. So James, take it away, mate. Let's have this first slide if we can. That's it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Vision 2022 for the city. Okay, let's have the next slide, please, if we can. So um, I feel like, is it Chris Whitty recently was saying, okay, next slide, please, next slide, please. Just get used to that, folks, because there's, there's a lot of stuff we're going to get through, but there we go. So the so, so first thing is, is that we sense that our, our, the, the call in the next season is to be a church for the city, to love this city deeply. And that is located, if you want to know where's that located in the scriptures, that's located in, in Jeremiah chapter 29, just a couple of verses. But those few verses pack a powerful punch. And those few verses, whilst packing a powerful punch, become this, the way in which the church over the centuries has understood its calling in relation to cities. If you think about the Apostle Paul, often focuses on areas, of urban areas to plant churches, places where culture is made, places where people gather, often in places where there's a variety of cultures coming together, and it is a prime location for the proclamation of the gospel. And the church, as it begins to spread in households of faith, is a remarkable example of what it is to follow Jesus by virtue of the way they live their lives in a counterintuitive way. 
And a theologian by the name of Augustine of Hippo said this, that in every city where the presence of the, where there are people of God in a place, there are two cities in one. Okay, let me explain that just for a moment. In the actual physical city in which we find ourselves, we realize as believers that we're citizens of another country. We're citizens of another place. That we are part of the city that is to come that we see described in Revelation. It starts in a garden and it ends in a city. And so we labor and we work for the city that is to come where there is no more COVID. There is no cancer. There is no racial injustice. There is no climate change. That we are citizens of that place. And while we wait for the Lord to return, for the trumpets to sound, for heaven, whatever your theology of the end times, we have a job to do. And that is very simply to, to, to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, to settle down, build houses, to, to marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, keep your daughters in marriage. Increasing number there, do not decrease. Seek the peace, the shalom, and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We don't have time to go into what, what is happening here, but let me just say super quickly, the people of God are exiles, as in they're, they're aliens in a place that isn't their home. And they've been told they're just going to be there for two years. And then Jeremiah writes a letter and says, unpack your suitcases, folks, because you're going to be there for 70 years. That would have been incredibly cheery, no doubt. They hated Babylon. They come from Jerusalem. They hated it. But he was like, no, love it. Seek its shalom. I don't know whether you, how long you're in Sheffield for. I've moved to Sheffield three times. We get in the hints. I think it's time to settle down. Maybe you're a student here and you think, well, it wasn't my first choice. Or maybe you've got a job here and your job's for a season. You think, well, I'll just go home every other weekend. I mean, I don't know, point connected with the church because you can just watch awesome churches in the west coast of California. So we'll just do that. No. The call of Jeremiah is to settle down in the city. However long you're here for, make it your home. Love the city. Get to know your neighbors. Take your bins in. Love it. Be passionate about it. Seek its peace and its prosperity. Seek its shalom. If you've got a job in the city, you're paying taxes into the city, you're, you're part of the urban culture, you're part of this city. Maybe you're working for the council. I don't know, maybe you're a builder. or you're, Whatever it is you're doing, you're stacking shelves and you hate your job. Love the city. That is what Jeremiah called the people of God to do. And that's why we love this. We worship the city. But we love the city. We worship Jesus, the one who is on the throne above all things. But he, we are called to love the place where we're landed, to love the people of this beautiful city, to seek its peace and its prosperity. And one of the ways, folks, that we can do that in a very simple way is to plant churches. Let's have the next slide, please, if we can. And so very, very simply, this, is, this forms part of a recap of the the last couple of conversations is, is we're an Anglican church and we're a Baptist church. And uh, essentially what we're going to do in this next season is we recognize that God has given us a huge amount. We are really blessed. God has been very good to us over many, many, many years. The, this story has a collective narrative, really, of God's faithfulness over the generations. And our city post-COVID is... is hurting. I don't know if you've walked around the city centre lately, 
there are all kinds of stuff happening. And we have an opportunity to plant churches. What is church planting? And it's, it's essentially this. It's taking a small group of people from one place, sending them out to go and make another church or in the collect jargon that is used in the church world to plant a church. And there's a couple of ways we can do that. We're going to graft, which sends teams into churches that are already existing to go and encourage and bless and support. Or we'll go somewhere where perhaps there isn't a church and we'll start one uh, by the invitation of the denominations that we're part of. And the YBA stands for the Yorkshire Baptist Association. My colleague, Alan, is a Baptist. Let's have a vote. No, I'm just kidding. They love to vote, Baptists. They really do. Uh, what a part, and and uh, I'm an Anglican. Steady on, Joyce. If you're watching online, the, the, the crowd is erupting. And so we're part of two very different organizations, but we have a heart to serve them, and that is what we think, feel we should do. So, folks, let's have the next slide. Fan. Oh, you're brilliant, Andrew. You're straight ahead. Wonderful. Thank you. So what are we doing in 2022? Well, we feel called to plant a church in Furvale, led by Gareth Ingle here next week, locking the door so everybody moves there. Okay, that didn't work quite so well, but... And then um, there's an area of Sheffield called Stannington. Will is sat on the front row and he's cheering like, he lives in Stannington. Who hands up if you live in Stannington here? Raise your hand. Go on, let be confident about it. You know, you always bang on about how cool it is. Okay, yeah, fantastic. And so there's an opportunity. We've been invited by the bishop and the, uh, the governing council of Christchurch Stannington to send a team. And to graft into there, and as a church family, we'll find some money to serve and to bless. And that is, folks, happening in 2022. Let's have the next slide, please. Andy. Fantastic. What's going to happen next? So we've got these two plants in 2022. Is that it? Is that the end of the church planting? We've dipped our toe in the water. Think, oh, yeah, it's okay. Well, no. And the way it's going to work is very simple. Is we're going to build relationship with both the diocese and the Yorkshire Baptist Association. And what we're going to do is really ask, trust them, like, and pray. Holy Spirit, where, where would you like us to go next? Where is there a building that you'd like us to, to go to? Is there an area of the city, perhaps, that there isn't a church? Or could we send some folks there? And so really is, it's a trusting the Holy Spirit, that we are trusting and building relationships. We have a heart to serve and to honor and go where it is the Lord wants us to go. And we're not quite sure where it's going to be, but we know it's going to be somewhere. We have a curate arriving in the summer, a guy called Luke Graham and Hannah. They're fantastic. Just had a little boy and they'll be around for a couple of years and then they'll go off somewhere else. And we don't know what else the Lord's going to do and who else the Lord is going to call, but we just want to hold it lightly and say, Lord, this is your church. You love this city. You've been so good to us. Where can we go and serve? Folks, that's it. There is no master plan of 20 years. We're going to do here. We're just going to say, Lord, where is it you want us to go? And you know, folks, it needs the prayer because we need the grace of God. Because without, if the Lord's not in it, we just need him to do it. Let's have the next slide, please. Thank you. So the question you might be asking is, how are we going to pay for it? Well, actually, they're just, no, no, I'm joking about locking the doors. We're not going to do that gag again. Uh, we're going to apply for different kind of funding streams. There's uh, different places you, we, can, we can look. Um, again, this is all stuff we need to pray about. Um, we, are, we have raised, we've started. Can I just, 
is it possible to get that screen on? Because otherwise I'm going to have to keep looking back behind me. And I'd love just to keep looking at your beautiful faces with your masks on. And there's a screen there, and it's just gone completely black. I don't know whether somebody needs to lay hands on it and pray come Holy Spirit or whatever's going on. Is that a thumbs up or we thumbs down? We don't know. Okay, Jesus. Let's get if I'll keep looking back, but if you if you're wondering why am I looking back at the screen, it's because that one's just given up the ghost on me. Is that all right, folks? Fantastic. So we started something called the Nehemiah Fund in in the in the just before Christmas, and you guys were incredibly generous. And I think in two or three days gave seventy-four thousand pounds. It's just remarkable. Are we going to clap or? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think that, there's a, that is an amazing level of generosity and we're just so incredibly grateful for what God has done. If you've been around in our church for a long time, you'll know that there was a link block built about 10, 11 years ago and the mortgage for that gets paid off next month. Hallelujah. <laughs> More of an excitement for a mortgage get better. Anyway, um, folks, if you've been giving into that mortgage... Um, do you know, i just love to say, if you'd consider just giving, keep giving, but giving it to name iPhone for, for the sake of the city and this opportunity you have to plant churches, communities, we've been calling them embassies of hope across the city. Would you consider giving into that? And it might be that you give regularly to our church um, and you're thinking, do I switch my giving into what we call our general fund, into the name iPhone? We'd say, do you know, guys, if you're up for it, if you could give from the overflow, that would be fantastic. And the way that you can do that is you can give a monthly gift, uh, you can give annually, uh, however it is you organize your finances, or you can give one-off. But we would love to see that fund grow so that we can send out more people into more places across the city of Sheffield. Uh, and folks, we, we, um, we need the money to do it, folks. And, and so we're just calling out to you as a church family. If you feel this is right, we'd love you to get behind the church planting in different ways. Let's have next slide, please, if we can. Okay, clusters. Everybody good? Fantastic. Just checking in. Make sure everybody's there. Okay. So clusters have been, our church um, is a large church and meets, breaks down into smaller units of belonging clusters and our church has been doing clusters for many 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 years over 30 years now and it's been amazing the last couple of months actually to have conversations with different folks who've been around from the very beginning at the beginning of those cluster journey to track what the Lord's done over over that time I think one thing that's been amazing about clusters has been um, during the pandemic what has been a real joy to see is um, it's back on uh, They've been fantastic and helped navigate this really challenging season. Uh, they've been, uh, over the years, been a place of belonging for many, so you feel like you get to know people and connect with people. They've been absolutely amazing. And also with that missional heart to love people and serve people, the question is, what next? So the next slide, please. So you'll know that Thomas Crooks, STC, is organized into what is called a church of churches. So we've had student church. I think there might be somebody in pain at the back. 
Uh, we've had young adult church. We've had family church. Uh, community church. Strong. I was expecting. Uh, you didn't let me down, folks. That was perfect. Um, but I think it's time for a change. And I think that clusters are amazing and have been amazing. But I'm not always convinced that they've done what we've said that they're set out to do. They can't just be the social arm of our church. They need to become the place where we are living and gathering in community, living lives as disciples. The call of Jesus to make disciples has not been rescinded. And to live in community, communal life, as a prophetic act against the rampant consumption of the age. So one of the things we're going to trial in this next season is establishing something called house churches. If you read the New Testament, you'll see that the Rome is turned upside down by these small communities of faith, very, very, very similar in principles to clusters. That's how clusters kind of began, really. You'll know that it's all around the world, that the, where the church is growing, that often there's a story of people meeting in homes. In the pandemic, something called the microchurch movements began to grow as people could no longer gather in large spaces. There is something when happens when God's people come together. And there's a particular, I think, with all humility, we say there's a particular anointing calling on our church to do that. I think it's been there for 40, maybe even more or so years, those small communities. And so in this next season, we're thinking, what does it mean to, func- to meet in houses and be church in the house? And it feels like there's precedence of 2,000 years. And the, the reformer Martin Luther met in his home around a table, described it as an early kind of house church, where we commit to seeing the power and the presence of God operating in the gifts of the spirits, where we are coming together to worship God, to pray for each other, always leaving an empty ta- chair for somebody to come and embrace hospitality, where we are talking about Jesus, even folks, dare I say, breaking bread together in an agape meal, Bishop Peter, if you happen to be watching. Coming together. Capturing something of the witness of community in an age of isolation. So what next? How, how will that work out? Okay. Let's just go back one, Andrew. You've slightly beat me to it, brother. I gave you, I kind of, I wasn't very helpful there. So, so what's going to happen, folks? Well, firstly, I just want to say for the record, I need to be super clear here, no change is happening anytime soon. <laughs> Why? Because folks are on the tail end of a pandemic. And for the reason I've just stated, clusters have been amazing. We value community. So we, want, we know that, that those communities have been an absolute source of strength and sustenance and grace in this season. So we're not going to change it next week, folks. In fact, the process is going to be a very slow evolution. I want to quote here uh, Alan Partridge, if I may. There's a great moment in one of the series of Alan Partridge where, where Lynn is trying to get Alan to change his car. And says, look, you can get a Rover 100. And he says, no, no, it's a mini Metro. They've just rebadged it. He actually says, you've rebadged it, you fool. But he says, it's just a mini Metro. And it's like, they've rebadged it. We're not going to do that with clusters. We're not going to stop them next week. There isn't going to be some kind of 
massive revolution where we flick a switch and say, today we're going to be house churches. We're not going to do that. For a season, we will have two types of communities. We'll have clusters, as they have been working for the last 30 years. And then in the next couple of months, we'll trial with a few house churches and we'll tweak them. We'll be super open about it. And if people think, I want to give that a try, we'll give it a go. But we're going to try it because it might not work, folks. So that's why we want to do the big switch of say, gonk, now we are going to do because it because it might not work. So we'll trial it and we'll feed back and we'll tweak it and we'll learn and we'll share the stories. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, we've tried it. What, what, what have we lost? But for the record, folks, we're not making any major seismic changes to clusters anytime soon. So you can look at the person next to you if you're at home and, and just mop your brow. And if you're starting to get in a bit worried, don't worry. The Lord's on the throne. Seismic change is not coming yet. We're going to journey. It's an evolutionary process. Is that okay? I feel the temperature's dropped. It could be because the windows are open. It's because, because we're talking about change, change of cluster phones. It's a slow, slow process. Now, you might be thinking, well, how can you have two types? Surely that won't work. Folks, I did it when we are in Cambridge. And in Cambridge, you know, it's, it's that posh city down south, and there's some kind of university there or something. You know? And you have to be super clear when you're with very clever people. That's what I've learned. And so what we did is we had two types of communities for quite a long time. And you know, they work brilliantly. Because you don't favor one over the other. We value community, period. But one is going to be slightly different. One we're going to tweak and experiment. And maybe you're here and you think, I'd love to be part of that. Well, let's talk to us. And we're going to start a course. And we'll be super clear about what we're going to do. And it'll be exciting. And those house churches could eventually grow into church. Who knows what the Holy Spirit could do with it. But we feel, folks... It's time for a change. Church of Churches has been amazing, but it's time for a change. It's served the season. The last 10, 12 years have been amazing. It's time for a change. Does that mean all of a sudden we're going to go into multi-generational groups? You can have students with you. Well, yes, it might, but they're going to be defined around mission. They're not going to, we're, we're, we're not going to do a big social engineering thing, and we'll talk about more and more of that over time, but we know that the Church of Churches has come to an end. We think that clusters have served beautifully through the pandemic and want to honor that. We're not going to bring a massive revolution anytime soon, but we think the Spirit of God is birthing something new and in other places around the world beginning to look at this model and we think maybe we should have a look at that. Folks, here's the thing. Our calling is to be married to the mission, not married to the model. The Lord Jesus never changes. The Word of God never changes. The mission, the call for the city never changes. The model changes now and again. It needs to be tweaked to work with the times, to serve what it is the Spirit's God is wanting to do. So, folks, that's a little bit about what's going to happen with clusters. Andrew, let's have the next slide, please, if we can. Something about house churches. Will there be geographical? Yes. Will there be some that age-specific? Quite possibly. They'll be mission-led and as the Spirit leads. Uh, and there'll be clusters and house churches for a season. I've mentioned that. I don't want to labor that point, but that's, folks, where we're going. And we'll be as honest and as open as we can, and we'll talk about it and be super clear, we hope. Next slide, please, Andrew, if you can. 
So what does it mean for us folks in this next season to pray for the city? Here's a couple of things that to be a church for the city. Here's a couple of things that we'll be doing. Um, number one, pray. Because that's what uh, the Bible tells us to do is pray for the city. And so we're thinking about new ways that we can pray. One of the ways we're exploring is having a kind of uh, how, a little permanent 24-7 boiler room type thing outside, which is currently, I guess you could say shared, or chalet if you wanted to be posh, just through there, very kindly gifted by somebody in the church family. Uh, it looks like a sauna, but it isn't, folks, because that would be a safeguarding nightmare. But it'll be positioned outside, and we'll be able to pray through the nights. Isn't that awesome? So if you're young people, you're young people, if you're a young person and you don't need sleep, or maybe you're a young family and your kids don't sleep, then come and feed your children and pray for the city at the same time. And then we're going to get prayer going in here. We're looking at doing whole nights of prayer, week of prayer, uh, prayer communities, just prayer, 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 praying, basking in the presence of God, praying for the Lord to move in our city. We're going to look at stuff like love, the city. So if you remember Love Sheffield back in the day, if anybody remembers that stuff, we're thinking through how can we do that in this next season. My papers are all over the place. Oh, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. All good, all good. Love the city. So we want to have a big budget, folks, where we can just show absolute generosity to our city. Um, if you remember last year, Alan bought a lot of Easter eggs. Remember that? We used to call it Big Mates, Big Eggs. And we gave out loads and it cost a fortune. We thought, what is it like for us to clean the streets, work with other organizations, giving random acts of kindness, um, where we can... Um, we've even talked about, do we buy like one of those ice cream bikes? You know what I mean? Like you, it's a three-wheeler, big ice cream thing at the front. Yeah, no, okay. Well, they're out there and they're awesome. We've got people exploring, buying a tuk-tuk with a coffee thing on the back. So it's, we're looking at different ways we can love our city, but with the heart of kindness to bless people, no strings attached, on the tail end of a pandemic. We can wash cars, we can clean up the streets, pick up the litter, bless people with plants, all that kind of stuff. We want to serve the city. So we've got amazing stuff with Food Bank. We've got a Food Bank here, ably led by Kevin Quinton, who's up in the balcony. He's always in the balcony, actually. You've got something going on up there, Kevin. You want to? No? He's, all, he's nodding. He threw his mask. I think he's chuckling. Oh, don't swear, Kevin. That's too much. So we've got, sub, we've got a food bank here. We've got a food bank down in Broom Hall. There are lots of stuff. We just heard from the conversations there about working with partner organizations where Helen and Alan are looking about marriage stuff, not their own, as in like marriage courses and family life because there's some challenging season, folks, if you're raising children right now. We want to encourage people to become, get involved in our local schools, to become governors, an amazing opportunity to serve locality. Some of you, we believe, are called to become politicians. I don't know why you're laughing. But wouldn't it be amazing if we said, right, let's, let's stand for the council. Let's, if every one of our local schools has somebody from church who is a governor, it would change the spiritual temperature of the schools. If people got into local politics, it could potentially change the spiritual temperature of the city. And on the way out, we'll be prophetically discerning who that might be. And then we'll be discerning which party we think that, Lord, no, no. That's just one way in which we can serve the city in a variety of different ways. The other thing is something called um, uh, work for the city. Establishing what are called work labs, what we call work labs. 
Folks, the, the value in uh, the workplace isn't just the fact that it brings you into contact with people who don't come to church, although that is awesome. It's not just that you get paid and then you can give us the money in the church and we can spend it. But there is, I think we need to break what's called, um, and it's a kind of a hang-up of Greek philosophy called dualism, which is I have my work life and I have my Christian life. Uh, one is the spiritual church life. One is the secular And we need to break that. And we need to say, if you're called, wherever you're called, to work for the peace and prosperity of the city, we want to champion you. And so we want to be in a place, if you're uh, maybe in the police, you're protecting us, or you're working in local governments, or you're working in business, or you're starting an organization, we want to say to those people, we want to get get people together, not led by me, the vicar, but led by you to say, how can we disciple each other to embrace the call of God on our life to bring leadership into the city through the workplace? And I think that's super important. Any, if you look at any organizations that are serious about cities and city transformation, the place of work is massively important and it's something that we can do wholeheartedly. The other thing is to think about, yes, we want to love the city, we want to serve the city, we also want to tell the city. And I wonder if there's a time coming where there's a call for evangelists to be raised up, to be explicit in the proclamation of the gospel, whether it be the proclamation of Jesus in a house church or whether it be somebody standing out on the street naming and talking of Jesus Christ. There is something around raising up our voice, whether it's for a season where to knock on the door of every house in this locality and say, this is who we are, how can we pray for you? Whether it's that we're adopt certain parts of our city and pray like crazy. There is something about being called to find our voice. Christians are too quiet in this season, in my humble opinion, to find our voice, to become, to proclaim and tell the story of Jesus as we live for our city. The other thing is, let's have the next slide, please, as we think about season, about justice, about racial justice. We spoke about this last week as a church. We haven't done enough. And if we're going to be a church for the city, then we're a church that doesn't really look like the city, folks. So we need to think about serious things about inclusion and why our church is predominantly white and what we need to do about that. Because we need to do something about climate and nature emergency. Somebody told me earlier to say it's climate and nature emergency. We have to do more as a church. Whether it's rewilding outside, hopefully up less the neighbours, or whether it's bat boxes, or kinds of solar panels on the roof, or beginning to talk about it. it's part of a discipleship core. We have to steward what it is that God has given us really seriously and embrace this conversation more and change the way we function and live as a church family, both in our communities and as in our building. Finally, we need to think about poverty. Um, folks, I don't know about you, but I'm finding it's, it's, it, it's, we're feeling the squeeze. Like just filling up the car with fuel. Yes, we should be electric, slightly beyond the price range. Um, but we're feeling the squeeze. So if we're feeling the squeeze, we've got a roof over our head, then as sure as eggs is eggs, there are shared loads of people in our city who are going to feel the squeeze, and it's only going to get worse. So part of the call for us is to, to how can we do more with food banks? How can we work with our friends at Network Church Sheffield to partner more with there? How can we encourage debt counselling, which is only tragically going to rise? And as a church, we can be part of that. We don't just outsource all of that to our friends at Philadelphia, although they're absolutely awesome at it. Maybe here it's thinking about fostering. 
or it's about adoption, or it's study now, or things that we can make an absolute difference that may make our lives more uncomfortable, but have will reap eternal benefits for the kingdom of God and for the sake of the city. And so, folks, these are just a few things. There are more, and I know there's a lot more that people are passionate about, and we haven't really talked about those things right now. But we are going to have to think seriously about what it is to love and serve our city in a variety of different ways. They're just three things. There are way, way more. Let's have the next slide, please, Andrew, if we can. So our vision, folks, is to be a church for the city by establishing embassies of hope, church plants and house churches across the city of Sheffield. We believe that when we gather in God's presence, God is here. And we think that when we stand in God's presence, there is hope that God can radically change lives. And so as we go to different parts of the city, whether it's sending out plants, or whether it's house churches or clusters in the shorter term, that's, folks, what we are called to do. Let's have the next slide, please, Andrew, if we can. A couple of values we need to think through. That we begin to value that we live as a family, not just as an organization. That we value honesty with ourselves and others. That we live under authority. I, I am under the authority of the Bishop of Sheffield. That we live under authority that we live under authority of the word of God, that we uh, value humility and authenticity, that we value serving and commitment, value generosity, giving our time, our talents and our money. We value humor, not take ourselves too seriously because Christians are, can be notoriously intense. And I think it just puts people off. And respect, we want to be a people who respect it. There's a diverse range of views, politics alone. We want to be a place that respects that. Next slide, please, Andrew, if you can. To live as called, not just settled. To be contributors over consumers. To speak truthfully and honestly. To confess to others, not just address in others. Take ownership and responsibility. Take retreats. Take time with the Lord. It's what Jesus does. We're a bit slow to do it. And always raising and releasing other people. Let's have the next slide, please. If we can. Gideon, here we go, folks. The Bible bits. Hallelujah. Oh, dear, we'll get letters of complaints. Remember, Allendorf, Ward, SDC, Sheffield. Okay, so this is it. So just a brief context. We've been looking at the life of Gideon in the book of Judges. He's the eighth judge of 12, covering a period of Israel's history. Remember, God has said to them, God's call is that the Israel, the people of God, be a blessing. we blessed to be a blessing. That he will give them land. And by the time we encounter Gideon earlier in Judges, Chapter 6, it is stark, folks. It is a difficult season of life for the people of God. It just looks like everything felt like it, all the good old days were in the past. It was a very difficult season, so much so that they are, the culture is very much defined by fear. And then God calls this man called Gideon, who is terrified, and the Lord speaks prophetically over him, says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then we last week, we... Look, uncovered and unpacked the first great battle, which is to whittle down the, the army of God from 32,000 down to 300. And what we thought for our church meant that that meant that actually we're called not to plant churches from a place of strength, but from a place of dependency. Because God breaks Gideon's self reliance, self independence, to his totally reliance on the Lord. And then the story of Gideon switches quite considerably. 
And you know, I think that we need to look at it, folks, because it doesn't, it's not a happy ever after story. And you know, sometimes we can, I love a happy ever after story. But actually, this one is slightly different. And this is what it says. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, and you said, oh, Gideon, don't do it, mate. I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains that were on their camels' necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon, and his family. That's Judges chapter 8, verses 22 to 27. Let's have the next slide, please, Andrew, if we can. So far, fear and insecurity, as we said, have shaped culture and defined Gideon's life. He's terrified. And I love that about Gideon. I see myself in him. God's prophetic call moves in the opposite spirits. And Gideon has total dependence on God. Next slide, please, Andrew, if you can. And here's the warning. And this is, this is the brutal truth, folks. You know, that Gideon's best times were when he was utterly dependent on God. But they were his most painful times. And that's the same for us, isn't it? Like, I, I love to talk about being dependent on God, but yet the human heart craves independence. Sin wants me to be independent. I, don't want, to rely, I want to rely on myself. I want to rely on my own sense of pride and my own abilities to achieve. And yet Gideon is at his absolute best when he's totally and utterly dependent on God. They achieve in the first battle the most amazing breakthrough when they're stripped down to just the 300 and they use jars and blow trumpets. It's just crazy. It can only be God. It can only be God. But his worst time is in the second battle when he seeks Zebat and Zalmunna in chapter 8, when he seeks the kings, the Midianite leaders, he begins to pursue them. And you know, throughout chapter 8, God doesn't get a look in. He doesn't get a mention. And there's this terrible moment where the, so there are some, some people of God and, and uh, Gideon's 300 men, they're absolutely exhausted and they won't help him because they're absolutely terrified. And what Gideon does is he comes back and he does some just terrible stuff to them because he has forgotten God's grace. And so when he captures them, he, he, he forgets who he is. He becomes, he, becomes this, he becomes a mighty warrior. He becomes incredibly successful in his own strength. And as he becomes successful in his own strength, he no longer needs the Lord. And then we get to the passage that we have just read, where it's absolutely right that Gideon says, look, I'm not going to rule over you. Because the call of God on the people of God at that time is to be a theocracy where God would directly rule his people. But there's just part of the story where Gideon says, I just want a little bit of gold. 
Nolok. Because as God has taken this terrified, frightened man and made him into a warrior, he's now a warrior. He walks different. He's confident now. Head back, shoulders back, absolute bee's knees. And that's become a problem for him because he's self-sufficient. He doesn't really need the Lord anymore. That God's goodness has reflected on him so much so that his identity has shifted. Let's have the next slide, please, Andrew. An insecure heart seeks validation. Whether it's the brand that you wear, the car that you drive, Gideon is switched from being dependent, vulnerable, to a position of accomplishment. Look what I've done. And he's unable to operate in grace. And that ephod becomes something that the priests would wear, that Gideon is beginning to say, not only is he kind of taking on the mantle of a king, but he's beginning to take on the mantle of a priest. He's changed. So the next slide, please. So why do we read Gideon? Because it's a bit depressing, folks, isn't it? Bishop Sheffield said something to me after I was offered the job, this job, and he said, over the years, he said, I've seen lots of churches like St. Thomas Cooks. And he said, and when I visited them, they're often, they've often shrunk. So that was incredibly encouraging. And he said, they often reflect on what it used to be like. Bill Johnson, who's a um, leader in the States, says this. When you lose intimacy with the Lord, you operate out of memory. Folks, in this next season, we need to walk with a real level of humility. It means that we need to hold what we have lightly. It means that we need to offer it to the diocese and the YBA. It means that we need to be people people of thanksgiving. Lord, this is good, this is from you. Gideon, notice Gideon lost his thanksgiving. And when you lose your thankfulness, you can end up in pride. Worship stopped. Worship reminds us of who he is and we're, we're the creature, he's the creator. It reminds us of who he is and it's all his anyway. God, I want to give this back to you. And it's softening our heart. And, and the mission is about, it's, it's for God anyway. It's not about us. It's not about meeting my needs. It's about clusters and the intimacy of my small group of friends and meeting my needs. Because Gideon begins to get his needs met through others, no longer from the Lord. It's about saying there is a mission to the city. Not just about me getting my own needs met. Although that is important that we get healed on the way. And the whole thing bathed in prayer because without the Lord, it's not possible. Gideon, I love his start. I love his start. It's beautiful. But his ending isn't so good. And folks, the, the, the warning for us, the encouragement for us is this. We can see God do amazing things. We can be part of a great move of him, move of his spirit, planting out. But the call is to stay close to him. This call is to not take ourselves too seriously. 
The call is not to become too successful. Big church, big church. The call is to hold it lightly. The call is to say, Jesus, if we are, if you've given us size, Lord, then what do you want us to do with it? Not become a church that's big in numbers, but our capacity to send. Not become a church that's just big in numbers, but wait, and how much do we actually function like Jesus? Let's stand.